sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports fans. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wednesday, November 4th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. And if you didn't see yesterday, our guy Kevin Walsh was burning the candle at both ends a little bit too much. So what we had to do is send them to Minnesota or to Michigan or to Wisconsin to keep counting votes as we hang in limbo. And instead, we bring in our guy Joe Pisa Pia to, uh, you know, keep the quotient of bald heads on screen above the level and here's what we're gonna do we are going to give you everything you need to make it a profitable sports day and we're gonna still try to put the function the fun in functional sports content at the same time joe how you doing this fine morning i'm doing all right it was a late night i'm happy to be here give kevin a little bit of time to get better yeah so i hope he's uh, getting all the uh, cold medicine needs whatever it is i'm always happy to get up early and spend some time with my bald brother dave martinez so yeah a lot to talk to today i wish there was more because i was expecting a little bit more from the nfl it's kind of a letdown brother Absolutely. We were expecting a little bit more, you know, drama, information, you know, uh, confirmations in a lot of places around this fair country. You know, it's interesting. Also, I got to tell you, we were talking off camera about like some of the uh, civics lessons that were probably happening with children around Mm -hmm. this fair country. I was talking to my niece and I, I, I made the analogy to a fantasy football matchup. I'm like, well, you know, uh, the one o'clock games are over. The four o'clock games are (laughs) over. One team has like a two-point lead, but this other guy on Monday Night Football still has moves, still has players left to go. And I was just like, literally every phase of what was Mm -hmm. happening, the ups and downs, I was like, okay, the four o'clock games are down. Oh, it's it's like it's like your starting quarterback got hurt in the second half and will not be getting any more points. <laughs> so the idea of the analogies that were there were interesting, but obviously we were expecting more. We were expecting more from the NFL trade deadline, Joe. I was planning on coming in here and being like, "Hey, some of these contenders augmented their rosters. You know, what now in the fantasy situations for some teams that move pieces? Who are the next men up that you can go out and grab?" But unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It didn't really happen that way. I mean, we heard of a couple things. One of the moves we did hear about that we didn't talk about yesterday on the early line was the idea that Desmond King was moved from the Chargers to the Tennessee Titans. What's interesting to me about that is he's also a return man if they need that in Tennessee. We did also hear about DeAndre Washington, who was, you know, on that Chiefs team. I was excited about Washington, Joe. At first, I thought Washington was going to be a piece for these Chiefs this year because he went to the same school as Patty Mahomes and was Patty Mahomes' college running back at Texas Tech. So I thought that there was a little chemistry there, but obviously Mahomes to hell air is instead what's going on in that Chiefs backfield. But I got to ask you, honestly, I thought we were going to have more, right, Joe? So Mm -hmm. why do you think that didn't happen? Cold feet, COVID, something else. I have a theory. What do you think? Why do you think it more (laughs) didn't happen? I mean, it never used to be the case, right? 
But then in the last few years, we did start to see some deals, but that was not the case yesterday. Why? Well, I don't think you're seeing a lot of separation in divisions, whether it's good or bad. Mm. I mean, there's very little separation in the NFC East for all the wrong reasons, right? Because nobody can win a game. And then there's very little separation in the NFC West for the opposite reasons, because everybody's winning games. And I think that is really what's going on. And then you see teams like Minnesota, who I think if they lost this past week against the Packers, that might have been better as we welcome in the radio audience here to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Here is my take on it, basically. You know, I feel like there's teams like the Packers that should have been more aggressive out there. They weren't. It was a big disappointment. But I think some of the teams that were on the bubble who won this past week, as it was a very strange week eight, kind of got themselves back into the conversation and with the expanded Mm. NFL playoff format. I think they're kind of looking at things and saying, hey, why not us? But there was definitely a couple of teams that I wish had made moves and I think are losers because they did not, both in getting rid of players or acquiring them. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I want to throw one other factor in there and see if, quite frankly, see if you buy it. Um, I think COVID was a factor, but not because of why you're thinking, not because of, oh, maybe these guys wouldn't get cleared and protocols and blah, blah, blah. I think it's because maybe some teams and some front offices are unsure about what will next year's NFL salary cap be? Okay, we don't know about some of the financial implications, right, of still COVID, of the revenue and where that salary cap can be. And maybe some teams had cause for pause there for anything more than a rental, right? Because we don't know financially what it would look like if it was more of a long-term move. And that may have given some managers, some front offices, uh, a little bit of hesitation as well. But you talk about teams who should have made moves, who could mm-hmm. have been buying. I think the Green Bay Packers are definitely mm-hmm. one of them. We heard everything, especially around those Houston wide receivers. I thought maybe a Will Fuller, maybe former Packer, Randall Cobb. There were other names out there, right? John Ross in Cincinnati, even mm-hmm. with my Jets, a guy like Jamison Crowder. What does it say to you that the Packers have still not addressed that need joe we talked we saw it in the draft we see it now aaron Rodgers is you know being his good old passive aggressive self about it why did green bay (laughs) not go ahead and address this need it's stunning to me i mean they were just in the most bountiful wide receiver draft we've seen in our lifetime probably and they passed on wide receivers not once but twice and this has been a reoccurring theme they haven't gotten play out of allison they didn't get play out of him they didn't get play out of mvs now uh alan Mm -hmm. lazar's been hurt he came back but i don't know what you could expect from him after that uh, look, basically every year, Equimenius St. Brown, we can keep naming all these names that haven't really worked as a secondary option. And this was an opportunity to add, like you said, bring back a Cobb or bring in a Wolf Fuller. And from the Texans standpoint, too, Dane, I don't understand. The Texans have a huge yeah. cap number right now. Why aren't they trying to jettison any salary they possibly can? This is a disaster. I don't know when we're going to figure out that it is time for the Packers to be aggressive at wide receiver and with Aaron Rodgers. Now, I completely agree with you. This was a team in the NFC Championship game last year. But regardless, we'll now take a fresh look at the league and see where we go from here. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Hey, welcome back, everybody. Right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. I am Dane Martinez, and I got my man Joe Pisa Pio with me in for Kevin Walsh, but we appreciate it. You know, I want to pick your brain here uh, on multiple levels about a move that did take place. You know, we talk about DeAndre Washington moving to the Miami Dolphins, and the reason that is interesting is because Miles Gaskin went down with an injury. I believe it is a knee. They're saying he's going to miss a few weeks, and you know, Joe, at this point, if you miss three weeks, that is most of the rest of the regular <laughs> season for fantasy mm-hmm. managers, right? So I want to ask you specifically about Matt Breida and specifically because I know you do FST with Craig Mish. And I know Craig Mish is plugged into Miami sports. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, he was given reason to think that Breida may grow in opportunity Anyway, he was starting mm-hmm. to think that this may start to happen. So could this, you know, the fact that now Gaskin is down, does this make Brita? You know, I mean, he's kind of the leader in that backfield now. I know they made the switch to Tua. Is he a viable flex play? Well, look, let's take one thing at a time because this is a lot to unpack yeah. here. I would say Washington, that acquisition is a smart one because he kind of fills that same kind of role. I agree. I think that yeah. if all the guys you kind of brought in here, that was a, a decent acquisition for them. I also think it's been very surprising so far, the addition of Matt Breida in the offseason, that he hasn't got enough play. And I understand Gaskin basically looked better and you've been winning games, so why not do that? But it was weird because he really wasn't getting a huge amount of opportunity to touch the football. And I think that's something that was very strange to all of us. And then, of course, he was losing some goal line carries to Jordan Howard early in the season. So Howard has not looked healthy to me all year when he was on the field even. Um Yes, he still has some touchdown upside, but I think this is Brita's opportunity here in the next three weeks to really separate and take over this job and just don't know what's going to happen with Gaskin. Yes, three weeks away, but a knee is a knee for a running back, so you have to be really careful with this one. Like you're saying, he's got to be out for the year in your mind if you're a fantasy player Right. right now and then transition out of that. Absolutely, because, you know, we call it maybe three weeks. That's 9, 10, or 11. Like, right. if you are That's worried it, baby. about when you get back <laughs> in week 12, you may have missed your opportunity for the playoff push. I'm with you, Joe. I was high on Brita entering the season, right? Because I was thinking, oh, the Dolphins didn't address running back in draft night. What they do? Trade for Matt Breida, sign Jordan Howard. I thought they were going to cobble together a more traditional thunder and lightning approach, and then Gaskin came out from absolutely nowhere. But let's think about Mm -hmm. these Dolphins now in the context, Joe, of the AFC playoff picture. If we put up the AFC playoff picture, right, Miami is kind of there, you know what I'm talking about? Only a mm-hmm. half game back of these five-win teams. People thought that they were cutting bait when they went away from Fitzmagic, even though they were 3-3. Three and three. Tua gets a win, or shall I say the Dolphins' defense and special teams get a win against the Los Angeles Rams last week. And But now the Dolphins sit there, the Raiders sit there. I would have liked to seen the Raiders even maybe make a move, right, uh, on the defense defensive side of the ball or anything like that Mm. Tennessee does make a move um do you think the fortunes are changing here at all do you think the tiers in the AFC are becoming clear or is there a specific team who you would have liked to have seen done more to improve their position a la what we talked about with Green Bay well I definitely think there's a tier and the elite tier is Kansas City at one and I think it's Pittsburgh at two and then after that Mm. you got a lot of teams that have I would say incompletes and you have Buffalo, who is supposedly supposed to be a better yep. defensive team, and they haven't played great defensively this year. Yep. Uh, Tennessee, who played well defensively yesterday, last year uh, throughout the playoffs, where have they gone? I mean, they have personnel. They haven't played well. Indianapolis just got you know a, a healthy 
Uh, Leonard back, that's a huge in, in, a thing for yep. Indianapolis going forward for that defense. It's already played pretty well anyway, but Darius Leonard being healthy is a game changer. Baltimore, we haven't really seen them kind of expand the field yet. Uh, that's kind of troubling. We'll see if Dobbins can get that they running game for going Yannick consistently. They traded for Yannick Ngakwe a couple of weeks They ago. did, but here's the thing. They, they still are unable to throw the football efficiently. So what they need Absolutely. to do is get back to running the football efficiently because they weren't being doing both all season. Mm-hmm. So coming out of the break, at least out of the bye for them, they were able to get that going with Dobbins. That was very crucial for them. Yeah. I would say that Miami playing the defense they did last week against Jared Goff, and that was great. You know, you hit Jared Goff, Jared Goff's going to see ghosts. He's going to start making mistakes, right? That's what Jared Goff historically has done. But mm-hmm. can you do that enough every week and overcome to his learning curve here and getting back into things? Then you take the running back away who was starting. I think that's difficult. And it's going to be difficult for them this week against Arizona as well. So right now, I think the playoff picture, the way it looked, is pretty good. And I would also just add the caveat, you're getting Nick Chubb back hopefully soon yeah. for the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. And that's the one team to keep an eye on. That's the one team that, depending on the next few weeks go, could really solidify that spot or fall out of it. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Dobbins in the run game for Baltimore. I call him J.K. Dobbins, like Dobby the house elf. Mm. Uh, someone's going to give him. That's like a double Harry Potter be reference because you had the, the J.K. and the Dobby. See, I know what you're you doing, Dobby. baby. I got you. Absolutely, guys. Absolutely. Someone gave him some new clothes. He may be freed in that <laughs> offense moving forward. I want to go right back to Indianapolis, though, Joe. You know, this is the team that I'm interested in. By. I like what you're talking about in the tiers. And for me, I got Kansas City and Pittsburgh. And then that next tier for me is Tennessee and Baltimore and Buffalo and the Indianapolis Colts, Joe. I think they are built well from the inside out. I think they are not asking Phillip Rivers to do too much. But I would have liked to see Indianapolis maybe get a skill player on the outside. I know Pittman is coming back. The rookie T.Y. Hilton went down. And I know that Rivers is going to the backs and the tight ends. But a legitimate maybe veteran wide receiver there to add an element to that offense I thought would have been interesting as well. A speed guy like John Ross or a veteran wide receiver that you can trust if T.Y. Hilton is in fact down. That's where I was thinking could be very interesting. And what do you think about this? The fact as we look at, say, the AFC odds, right? When we talk about the tiers, where do you find the value for me I'm considering these Tennessee Indianapolis guys in the South, right? We know about the, you know, the Kansas City, the Pittsburgh. I believe that Baltimore still and Lamar have questions that he needs to be able to answer in his game if defenses or if a game script pose those questions to Lamar. I'm not so sure, right? But Tennessee and Indianapolis, I am intrigued by both of those teams at 12 and 13 to 1 coming out of the South. Yeah, I can understand why. Uh, Indianapolis, too, I have no idea what's going on with that running game after last week either. I mean, right. that was got to be the most frustrating thing. All you wanted was 20 carries from Jonathan The bye hurts me. The fact that it was it after should the hurt bye you. is what hurts it should me hurt you also deep. because it makes me think that they like self-scouted themselves and this is the answer that popped out. Well, Jordan Wilkins with 20 carries was got to be infuriating to everybody who has Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and I understand where you're coming from, too. Even if they had added a Golden Tate or a Marvin Jones or something like that in Indianapolis, yeah. that would have helped. But I think their thought process is let's see if we can get Pittman back. We really like him. I can understand that. T.Y. Hilton obviously is done. I think we can all understand that. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing that Phillip Rivers can get this team to the AFC Championship. I, I just, I still, even with that defense as good as it is, I have a hard time 
believing that. Now, look, let's see how these next few games go. But I think, mm-hmm. really, unfortunately, there isn't a lot of value here. And I love to say there is. I think if Tennessee's defense can get right, that's a team that can get hot. And in the playoffs, Derrick Henry can run amok like he always does. That's always a very mm-hmm. dangerous team because they have a lot of belief in themselves. And I think last week they came out flat. And they basically a letdown game after a couple big ones. But still, I mean, everything broke right last year for Tennessee. That's tough for how it happened two years in a row. And right now, Pittsburgh and Kansas City just look like they're real cut above everybody, including Baltimore, a more complete team. Oh, yeah. And both of those teams have beaten Baltimore in Baltimore already this year. I agree. Listen, I'm not going to go too far and throw shade at Lamar and all that stuff. I no, me neither. You need to be able to answer all the questions an opponent may pose. And I believe Pittsburgh can. I believe KC can. I believe Tennessee can, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. I do not believe Baltimore can. One other question. One other team I'll ask you about real quickly. Vegas Raiders. They're on that graphic. They got five <laughs> wins, right? Like, do you believe? I would have maybe liked to see them get a defensive piece. You know, a cornerback or an offensive lineman, something like that. Are you a believer maybe in the Raiders? They have some quality wins on their resume, Joe. They do, and they did last year. And this is the the trap of the Raiders because last year we were sitting here at the exact same time looking at the Raiders going, look at them. They're right on the playoff bubble. They can really make a run. They had a good schedule, and when they do, they went and they lost to the Jets. And that is what you have. This is a team that typically plays up or down to their competition. It's something to pay close attention to now in this window of time. So maybe they've learned from that. It's been disappointing. They haven't gotten out of Henry Ruggs, but they anticipated getting out of him. Waller's still great. Jacobs had a good bounce back. I don't think you want to take too much out of that game against Cleveland last week because the weather was such an incredible issue there. But I do believe this is a better Raiders team overall, especially with a healthy John Abram, uh, than they were last year. Yeah, so we will see. We'll look at the NFC side a little bit later on in the show. But when we come back, we turn our attention to college. We bring in friend of the show, Joe Lisi. We will metaphorically go for the two when we come back here. We got to find out how big of a deal Trevor Lawrence is. The Pac-12 kicks off this week as well. Does it matter? We ask Joe after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Big shout-out to our radio affiliates from around the country, To be quite honest, from around the globe, thanks for waking up early with us. That's what we do. We give you the edge. And for the next little while here, we're going to be getting the edge on college football with our guys. So we go for the two on Wednesdays, and we bring in Joe Lisi. Joe, I I feel like... Uh, the college football landscape has done a little shifting since we spoke (laughs) last. Especially, we should start, obviously, with the headline, right? And that is that the presumptive number one overall pick, the presumptive Heisman favorite, the quarterback for the number one team in the country, and presumptive national championship favorite, Game down with COVID last week, Joe. Trevor Lawrence tested positive for COVID, did not play against Boston College. I want to know what you thought about that effort against Boston College and what it means moving forward. And then Dabo right after the game, and I appreciate the way he handled it, right? Going into the game, he's like, we ain't going to talk about it. We ain't going to talk about it. We ain't going to talk about it. Then right after the game, he's like, let me just get ahead of this. Trevor's not going to be back for Notre Dame. Don't ask me. This is what it's going to be. He's got to follow the protocol. So I ask you, what does this mean? What did you see at a DJ? And what do you think it means in South Bend this weekend? 
Well, I mean, uh, thanks for having me, Gain. What a week of at course. college football last week well, and, and that, week though, number Joe. nine, right? Listen, it never second, ends. Though. Joe, wait a second. We're beyond that. You don't have to say thanks for having me on. You're a friend of the show, <laughs> all right? Of course, you are always welcome. We got stuff to discuss, though. Let's go. But but thanks I got for you. joining. Thanks. For I joining. got you. So with, with Trevor Lawrence, I mean, the, the the biggest thing that I, takeaway that I saw last week was it was next man up. I mean, DJU stepped up. He made plays outside the pocket. Reads and progressions were fantastic. And I don't think that offense missed a beat. Now the concern is on the road against a front seven in Notre Dame that's given up ninety three rushing yards per game. Can the physicality of the offensive line carry through on the road this coming weekend? Because the one Achilles heel for Clemson's offense right now is their inability to run the football effectively. You look at their games overall, there's only one game in particular where they pounded the rock for over 200. That came in the home win, the dominant home win to Miami. They need to do that on the road to take the pressure off of DJU to win this matchup Saturday night. I think they could do it. I think they have the more athletic team on both sides of the ball. Won't be easy, but they need to run the football Saturday night. All right, fair enough. Let me ask you, though, because, Joe, you know I'm into the chaos theory, right? So the way this now plays out, I'm a little bit upset because I fundamentally believe that whoever loses this game right? Clemson or Notre Dame may have an excuse and an opportunity to get back at them in an ACC championship game, right? And if the loser of Saturday night wins the second time around, regardless, right, is that going to lead to potentially two ACC teams into the college football playoff? I know we've played it out with the two SEC team potential, but, you know, I, I worry that if Notre Dame gets the victory, right, and then it was at without Trevor Lawrence, then a Trevor Lawrence-led Clemson just bangs them out in an ACC championship game, that makes me think potentially both of these teams could be live. Do you see it the same way, or is this one going to kind of eliminate someone? Well, I think it's anything's on the table this year, especially in the pandemic. I mean, who's to say Justin Field? I mean, you don't want to see it, but Justin Fields can come down with COVID as well or another top That's team true. in the nation. And how does that team respond with their week, you know, game against the conference opponents? We've seen Clemson do it. That doesn't mean, though, that another team can't deal with the same type of situation sure. like Alabama or Georgia, right. or Florida, or, you know, out west with USC, so or, right. or Oregon, for that matter. So uh, that's the concern right now. So I think you can see two teams from every conference. Now, the one wow. conference I will say that I think is on the outside looking in and starts this coming Saturday is the Pac-12 because of the limited amount of schedule okay. and games that they have. If they miss one or two games, going to be very difficult to piece that body of work or resume up against some of the teams from the big Big 12, ACC, mm. or SEC at this point in the season. Yeah, um, that's a great point, right? Because in the Pac-12, I believe they're only playing six games. So let's talk about a couple of those teams that are, in fact, you know, projected to do well in that Pac-12 conference. And we start with the Oregon Ducks. Quack, quack. They have Stanford this week, right? And here's what I want to ask you. Oregon... You know, I tried to talk to you about guys like Oklahoma State and some other teams like that, right? But Oregon has the kind of national credibility and pedigree, right? They're a brand name team. They're also, unlike some of these other teams that I'm talking about in chaos theory, they have a pretty decent 
starting spot at number 12, right? It's not too many teams they would have to hop over or when these teams get losses, maybe hopping over a Wisconsin who's not going to play if and when a team like Texas A&M falls by the wayside. I can see the public and the pollsters you know, having Oregon leapfrog, but you said they only have six opportunities. Do they have the prestige, the talent, and the schedule to get all the way up to number four? They have the prestige and the schedule based off of last year at 12-2 and two overall, mm-hmm. but that was with Justin Herbert. That was with Panay Sewell, their big play okay. offensive tackle, number one draft pick, and that was with one of the best secondaries in college football. The problem is Panay Sewell has opted out. Three of four starters right. in that secondary have opted out, and Justin Herbert is lighting it up for the Chargers right now. So those concerns are very real for Oregon. Now, maybe not in this game against Stanford because Stanford, mm. even though it is a rival needs to stretch that defense vertically. They don't have the offensive tools or the weapons with Davis Mills to do that in this ballgame. But that game against USC or later in the year in a Pac-12 championship game, Mm -hmm. that's the concern for Oregon. And how does the consistency develop in such a short period of time? Even if they go undefeated, do they have enough in the tank to actually challenge a team like Clemson or Ohio State for that matter? Or more importantly, out in the SEC and out Alabama, I don't think they do at this point in the season. All right, fair enough. But you have to also realize, Joe, some of us sports investors are only looking for these teams to get into the dance because of then the hedging opportunities that may come if you get a team like in Oregon or the Trojan horse that is USC. From me reading the tea leaves of the way you talk about the Pac-12, it seems like you may believe that USC actually has the talent on Oregon. They have similar schedule, but they start off a good eight spots behind, so there's more work to do. They'd have to inch the ball up the hill and get a little bit more help. Talk to me about USC, who sits at 20 and welcomes in Herm Edwards in their opener. Yeah, that's going to be a very difficult matchup because Arizona State matches up very well against USC. On paper, mm. Keaton Slovis is a Heisman Trophy uh, candidate and frontrunner. I think he's the best quarterback wow. in the conference and has Amon St. Brown and Tyler Vaughns as two big play wide receivers. The concern for USC is defensively in a big spot. Where's the physicality? Where's the ability to shut down opposing offenses at the point of attack? They didn't do it last year at home against Oregon and got blown out in that matchup, and I think they're on upset alert week number one against Arizona State with Jaden Daniels. This is an underrated team. They forced turnovers. They were plus 14 in turnover margin. They have Merlin Robertson, one of the most physical athletic linebackers within the conference, and they have playmakers that I think could challenge USC's defense. It's not going to be easy, actually, like Arizona State to win this matchup. Oh, wow. Right out the gate, maybe one of the lead dogs in the Pac-12 could go down in just week one. We saw that in the Big Ten as well. Remember, Minnesota went down right off the gate. Penn State went down right out the gate. So we may see that in the Pac-12 as well. Keep an eye on the USC Trojans. Well, Joe... You scared me a little bit last week because, as you know, I am on the Cincinnati Bearcats, and you gave me cause for pause. You said that that Memphis team was going to be a problem. Joe, 
They looked good, the Bearcats, winning big again. They only move up one spot because of the Cowboys' overtime loss. So I don't know, but talk to me about how impressive to you Cincinnati was because you thought that was going to be a tough one for them to get past, and they have another tough one hosting Houston this week. Do they, again, survive in advance? Well, well, Dane, that 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 Memphis uh, game yeah. last week against Cincinnati was my only loss for the weekend. So, if, if oh, you really cool. want to look at it, it put a thorn in my side. But that game changed <laughs> really on one play. It was in the third quarter with Memphis down by eleven points. They were driving inside the fifteen yard line. Memphis's quarterback Brady White made a poor decision, had a first down. He chose to slide. Put the ball two yards back. It was a fourth and two, and then they turned the football over. Ever since that time, they were demoralized. And credit Desmond Ritter, 271 passing yards. That mm-hmm. defense stepped up, forced turnovers against Memphis, and that was a gutty quality win against, I thought, the best team in the conference. Now, this is not going to be easy for uh, Memphis, excuse me, Cincinnati against yeah. Houston this week. I think they win this matchup, but I like okay. the speed on the outside of Houston. I know they didn't play well against UCF. They gave up the over 360 rushing yards to that offense, but I think they have the offensive playmakers with uh, Corbin and Stevenson, their big play wideouts, and, and Clayton Toon, their quarterback, to challenge that defense over the top. They have the series as well, straight up 15 and 11 overall. Cincinnati's covered four of the last six. Cincinnati wins, but this line opened up at th- uh, 10.5. It's up to 13.5. Give me yeah. the 13.5 points with Houston. I think they're in this ballgame. It's one of my better bets for this coming Saturday. So you continue to not buy in fully to the Cincinnati Bearcats. I can only hope, Joe, that I'm saying the same damn thing to you next weekend. (laughs) that You were down on them, but they proved it to you. Are you also maybe on the over in this game then? If you think they can... No, the reason why I'm not on the over... Yeah, the reason why I'm not on the over is because I think Cincinnati is going to look to run the football in this matchup, which could lead to time of possession. We'll talk about it a little bit more on the other side of the break. We also have multiple matchups of ranked teams facing off against each other. We'll get Joe's thoughts on those matchups and the moving Heisman market as well when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez, the Spenton Statistician. No Kevin today. He's been burning the candle at both ends, so we instead go for the two right now with Joe Lisi. And, Joe, you know, we talked about my Cincinnati Bearcats. We talked about Clemson, Notre Dame, obviously the top of the marquee. Important to note that the Pac-12 is getting going. By the way, Maction tonight, as well as they get going, we had our guy mid-major Matt on yesterday. He thinks that the Buffalo Bulls are the class of that conference and can uh, do some things. But I digress. I want to ask you about some big-time games this week, Joe, of ranked 
versus ranked. And it starts in the SEC where Dan Mullen and his craziness, whether it's starting fights or packing the swamp or whatever he wants to do, they will go in between the hedges and play the Georgia Bulldogs. Is this still the cocktail party, though, actually? Is this played in Jacksonville still, or is this actually between the hedges, Joe? You know, I think it's at Georgia this week, okay. but I have to double check. I got to double check because, you know, Texas A&M and, and Arkansas was supposed to be uh, in Dallas, and they wound up playing that game home-and-home uh, and home in in terms of Texas A&M. So gotcha. I, I believe it's in Jacksonville, but anything's possible, okay. you know, in, in the COVID situation. So I'll just say I, I believe the game's in Jacksonville today. Fair enough. That cocktail party is a uh... – Tremendous event. I will leave it at that. But uh, Joe, talk to me now about this game because the way I see it, the winner of this game will get their crack at Alabama, right? And in essence, still be live in what is likely an SEC championship game. And I'm intrigued by, you know, can't, would a Florida win? Right. Like, would that be enough for them to, like, hop over my Cincinnati Bearcats and kind of put another obstacle in front of them? How do you see this game playing out? And then how do you see the voters responding to the result? Well, I will say that if the winner of this matchup, albeit Georgia or Florida, if they win in dominating fashion, then I think yeah. they'll definitely be a front runner for that fourth spot. Uh, no, no doubt, because of the ability to challenge Alabama. Now, the concern is Georgia's won three straight in the series by twenty point three points per game. Picked up this victory last year, lower scoring game, twenty four to seventeen. You know, Vegas loves Florida. Every year hmm. their win total is jacked up a little bit higher than, you know, certain teams, and, and they pound the over each and every year for Dan Mullen and the crew. Now the concern in this matchup is it's really twofold. Which team is going to dictate the tempo? Because traditionally both teams want to run the football, play off their defense. That's not the case with Kyle Trask, an underrated Heisman Trophy dark horse in this yeah. matchup. 18 touchdowns, two interceptions, Kyle Pitts, Kadir. Tony, this is an explosive offense that Dan Mullen has. And on the flip side for Georgia, you saw it last week, a methodical blue-collar offense uh, for the Bulldogs. They want to run the football, work with that defense. If they can run the football and keep Kyle Trask on the sidelines, they're going to dominate this matchup. But on the on the flip side, if Kyle Trask jumps up seven nothing, ten nothing, I think it could be lights out because Stetson Bennett and that offense do not have the manpower to get into a shootout with the Florida Gators. I'm going to lean to Florida here. I picked them as the best team in the SEC East at the start of the year. Not backing down now. Don't like their defense, but give me the better, more experienced quarterback in this matchup, and that is Kyle Trask. Absolutely. And listen, you get four and a half points to boot. You also mentioned the kid, I guess, I guess he's a tight end, although he's really a receiver. <laughs> the kid pits. Listen, in fantasy, I will be drafting him next year as like a rookie tight end. He looks to be amazing and the perfect kind of tight end for, you know, the 2020 NFL. So I am excited about that. Another matchup of ranked versus ranked. One team that was expected to be in this kind of uh, area in the rankings and one that is not is the Michigan Wolverines and the Indiana Hoosiers. Indiana has been something of a surprise. They had their big win against Penn State. They come in now and they'll be the home team in this matchup, 13th in the country. But the conversation around the nation is really around Michigan, right? They look impressive week one. 
against Minnesota, but then they go lay an egg against Michigan State, and the questions are starting to mount around Harbaugh. Tell me, how do you see this Michigan team? I know you were big on them going into the Minnesota game. They stubbed their toe. What do you think about the Wolverines at this point? Yeah, well, at this point, they need to get back on track. And if they lose this matchup to Indiana, you're going to hear Jim Harbaugh possibly for an NFL job because I really don't Mm. know if he can take the type of media criticism, you know, that's the, the, this team has had, especially in big ball games and a rivalry game against Michigan State's a big matchup. You need to win that ball game, especially when you're 25 and a half, 26 point favorites, Dane. They lost the game outright. I mean, let's think about it at home. I I mean, this is still a one-dimensional team. They only have success when they run the football. They're inconsistent and non-aggressive on first and second downs, and you need that, especially on the road with Joe Milton. They cannot lose this game. Same type of matchup as Georgia and Florida. Whichever team could dictate tempo, it seems redundant, but I'll say it again. Michigan is only effective when they pound the rock for over 200 yards. If they're put into long third-down situations, they become one-dimensional, puts a lot of pressure on Milton puts a lot of pressure on the offensive line and they could dial up blitz packages. So I still like the offensive line for Michigan to wear down a smaller defensive front. Okay. But if Indiana jumps up early and, and like I said, 7 nothing, 14 nothing, it's going to be lights out. But I'll still take Michigan minus the short number of two and a half in this ballgame. All right, so still a believer in the Wolverines, although it sounds like that confidence is hanging by a thread. I saw somewhere, is, am I right that Harbaugh something like 1-7 against Ohio State and Michigan State? Was the was he the coach when that crazy against the Spartans with like the punt, the last play of the game? Was that yes. still under the Harbaugh yep. uh, tenure as well? So listen, you know, all the khakis and the rah-rah and all the stuff that Harbaugh does, like in music videos and stuff, getting the <laughs> Nike brand, like that's cool and all. But if you can't beat the Buckeyes and the Spartans, right, and you don't actually get to the promised land at some point, you know, people are going to start looking at Harbaugh. Maybe the idea of the NFL coming back calling is very intriguing to me as well, Lisi. You know I love these kind of group of five teams, right? And the (laughs) fact that we have ranked versus ranked in the group of five is something that I want to ask you about. I've been on Cincinnati. We've been talking about them. BYU, Joe, is also right there. The Cougars are now, correct me if I'm wrong, a top 10 team. They have Boise State this week. And my understanding is that the kid, uh, Zach Wilson, actually started with Boise State. Was there a transfer here going involved? And now he is lighting it up for BYU in the Heisman conversation. And part of the reason why these BYU Cougars are a top 10 team. And he's in the NFL draft conversation as a first-round possible draft pick, which I don't know if I see that at this point in his career, Dane. I mean, he's a solid quarterback. I mean, he's a mobile quarterback, keeps his eyes down the field, but he's still a raw prospect, in my opinion, and against elite competition in terms of playing teams in the Big Ten, like an Ohio State or Alabama or Clemson with those dominant defenses, I think there's a possibility he could struggle in that type of environment 
environment where he is right now, right here in this season. But that being said, physicality for BYU. They're another team. They run the football. They wear you down. Everybody, in terms of a size advantage on that offensive line, goes 300-plus. And as long as they can do that in this matchup against Boise, I think they win this ballgame. I know Boise State has had their number in recent years, but this year, the way that offense and defensive line is playing for BYU with the quarterback play of Zach Wilson, I think they get this victory against the Broncos Saturday night. All right, so let's talk about Zach Wilson. You mentioned that in the draft uh, conversation, in the Heisman conversation. I noticed with Trevor Lawrence, Joe, obviously with the COVID, he's going to miss at least two games. We now know missing the BC game. It looks like he's going to miss the Notre Dame game as well. There was an intriguing move in the Heisman market. Joe, you know, Trevor Lawrence was a runaway favorite. Now you've got Fields, you've got Mac Jones in Alabama as well. Is Trevor Lawrence now somehow kind of like a value in that Heisman market? Ultimately, how do you think it will go? Will Fields continue to do enough to truly leapfrog him in the eyes with the prestige of Ohio State? Or can Trevor Lawrence still do enough to kind of uh, remind everybody that he's the man? Well, it, it, we're, we're going to see right now. I would not yeah. bet on Trevor Lawrence to win the Heisman Trophy, especially okay. since he he did not play in two games. So that's a huge right. concern for me. But on the flip side, you know, Justin Fields and, and Ohio State are going to play a limited schedule as well. So that's going to be the concern in terms of backing these guys. I think the biggest value for me comes at either the running back position or comes from a quarterback that just is playing lights out right now, like a Mac Jones, because you know, he's on a contender. They're going to be there in terms of their biggest games is our Auburn in terms of Alabama. So, you know, that's going to be a concern for me. As long as he stays healthy, he is the Joe Burrow type of player and value that you could say I can bank on Mac Jones because he's putting up dynamic numbers. That offense for Alabama right now averaging 45 points per game, Dane, he's completing over mm. 60% of his passes. And more importantly, yeah. when you look at the players around him, just dynamic players at the wide receiver receiver and running back skill positions, he's going to continue. As long as he stays healthy, my money would be on Mac Jones as a dark horse mm. at this point because of the Alabama Crimson Tide and their schedule the rest of the way. Yeah, for a lot of reasons. You know, Nick Saban is just sitting back, you know, and be like, ah, yeah. the Big Ten is in upheaval. Cool. Trevor Lawrence going to miss some games, <laughs> maybe get tripped up. Cool. Are they going to play up these Florida Gators or Georgia Bulldogs just for me to slap them back down and make my SEC championship game win look more impressive? Cool. I want to ask you one more thing here, Joe, and it's about a guy that I've never asked you about before. When you told me that Zach Wilson was raw, uh, going into the draft, I, actually, I want to ask you about another quarterback. Um, I hope that's not putting you on the spot, but you know everything about college football. You know, it's not Trevor Lawrence, not Justin Field. I want to ask you about the kid out of North Dakota, Joe, who does not get a season this year, right? Trey Lance, who had like zero interceptions, literally like zero interceptions, had only one opportunity this season, right, against hey, a D1 team or however you want to call it. Talk to me about, about uh, this kid. Give me just like the thumbnail on him as a draft prospect, because I know you mentioned that Wilson is raw, but I'm wondering about the kid Lance, because I think he's going to work his way all the way up to the top 10, because, you know, this league drafts quarterbacks. Tell me about Lance. 
Yeah, well, Lance took over for Easton Stick at North Dakota State, and and they're a dominant you know program. The right, way Alabama right. and Clemson, they Absolutely. just reload each and, and every year. Dome. So, so uh, again. Is Trey Lance, in my opinion, a legitimate number one draft pick? On paper, maybe because of the interceptions, the lack of, and his ability right. to make solid decisions. But I haven't seen enough body of work to say he's the guy just off of raw physical attributes. He's around mm-hmm. 6'3", goes around 215 pounds. He's mobile, can make plays in the RPO game, and always keeps his eyes down the field. But where's the game against the elite competition? You wanted to right. see that maybe at a senior bowl type of situation. We're not going to get that. So to really evaluate him and say he's a legitimate prospect at this point in his career as a number one draft pick, I think he's a reach at this point. Now, in two or three years, he might have upside in that type of value. But to to give you a comp about where I feel Zach Wilson is, if you want an NFL comp, Baker Mayfield. I think it's the exact comp. Now, I think Baker had a better upside in terms of his completion percentage. But that's the comp. as all get out at Oklahoma, though, right? Right. Zach Wilson's not as accurate. Right. Zach, he plays in a different scheme, but he has that type of mobility where he can make plays out of the pocket. He's not a legitimate Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray mobile, but he's mobile enough to keep his eyes down the field in the passing game. All right, we'll keep our eyes on all these guys. And again, Joe, hopefully next week I can continue asking you about my Cincinnati Bearcats. Thanks for stopping by the early line. As always, Joe, we'll talk more next week, all right? Anytime, Dane. Love the show. Thanks a lot, guys. More of the early line when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody. Right here to the early line, giving you the edge. We only got a couple minutes left in our number one. So I want to let everybody know, remember, we talk about the Champions League here on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. The champions! And so last... You know, yesterday, last night in Europe, wherever it was, we talked to you about two games in Group B, and it went the way we thought. Real Madrid did get that win over um, Inter, which they needed. Remember, they were at the bottom of the group. And then my squad, uh, you know, beat Shakhtar. Um, Joe, if we're going to put up, uh, can we put up the Shakhtar opponent's name on a graphic? Uh, from yesterday, if we have it. Because, Joe, I would love for you to pronounce this good old team name. This is my adopted team name in Bundesliga. Uh, today, we've got PSG against Leipzig. We've got Dortmund playing. But do we have uh, the team that played yesterday? Because I want Joe to be able to try to pronounce that. <laughs> Maybe we'll get that a little bit later on in the show. But just to let everybody know, two of the big-time matchups today in Champions League. Again, in Germany, Borussia Dortmund will be taking on Club Bruges. This is an important matchup, I believe, in Group H, where uh, Dortmund still has some work to do. They are the uh, minus 155 favorite. And then you saw the other big matchup today is uh, PSG Paris Saint-Germain. They are going ahead. Beautiful. Well RB done. Leipzig. You like that? Yeah, you like that? Oh, I love that, baby. That was Paris good. Paris Saint-Germain. Oh. And here's the thing for me. 
absolutely. We are going to get that uh, other German side up for you. It's like a spelling bee for you to pronounce at some point, Joe. But I got to tell think you. Ball. I'm just going to say. That's there what. you go. You can guess <laughs> all of these. Krzyzewski. We could put them all together. Tango right? Okay. Here's the thing, though, Joe, and I just got to tell everybody. With these soccer matchups, right, the things we like is the um, the triple, you know, the three options there, right? You can bet mm-hmm. either side or the draw. And there will be some times, okay, where especially based on where you are in the group stage and not needing, you know, only needing to be conservative and only get one point instead of the full three, it can happen. Yeah, let's put this up for him, okay? Joe, I don't know if you could see it, but I'm asking you to name the squad that is second down and on the right. It was Shakhtar Donsk versus what? Can you pronounce it? When we come Mr. back Lundbach. on the other side of the break, something like that, you're going to get a full two <laughs> minutes to try to figure it out. And then we will ask you in our number two as we put the fun in functional sports content when we come right back here on the grid. It's the early line on a Wednesday morning. Come on back. Sports today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 